Hello, this is your host, Bill Raymond, and welcome to the Techgenics T-Suite podcast, where I talk to leaders in the tech industry. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I am joined by Anshu Agarwal, CEO of Nimbella, and Eric Swildens, Chief Architect at Nimbella. And we are going to talk about an exciting new product they are announcing here on the podcast. We will also talk about the rapidly evolving serverless computing space. Hi, Anshu and Eric. Hello, Bill. Uh, thank you for having us. Hi, Bill. This is Eric. I, I did want to say to start out that for all the listeners, Bill is as wonderful in person as he is on the podcast. Um, sometimes when I've listened to either podcasts or on the radio, the people on the radio are a little bit different in person when they are than when you listen to them. And actually, he's just as nice in person as he is on the podcast. Oh, you're making me blush. I appreciate that, though. So where are you both calling from today? From Santa Clara. Nice. Now, I want to get into the product announcement, but before I do, Anju, could you just give us a quick overview of Nimbella? Sure. So Nimbella is a serverless cloud company. We actually got started in September of 2018, and uh, we released our serverless platform in September of 2019. Uh, we are different from other serverless platforms because we are cloud agnostic and we enable developers to build and run stateful applications easily. Thank you, Anshu. Eric, could you tell us a little bit about the product you're announcing today? Yeah, we're actually announcing it on this podcast. Um, we just released it. Uh, it's in the Slack app directory. We've released something called Nimbella Commander, and this is Nimbella's development platform for Slack. And with this, you can create and manage custom Slack apps without having to leave the Slack environment itself. So am I getting this right? You created a serverless platform, and then you created an app that makes it easy to create those serverless apps right from Slack? Yeah, to give a really short version of it, I can just kind of explain how it can work. So you can just go to the Slack app directory. You can install with one click um, Nimbella Commander, and then you can do a slash NC dap add, and you can do an NC command create uh, like print or something, and then you click uh, a link that it gives you to edit the source code for that command. And what you've just done is you've created a custom Slack command called uh, print. So you can go and you can just create new commands in, in Slack itself and edit the source code. And you can also manage access rights. And we can talk about the other things you can do. You can have them run on a schedule. But basically what it allows you to do is it allows you to develop code uh, in Slack and manage access rights and get logging and all sorts of stuff in Slack for custom Slack commands. Cool. So you're using your own platform to create new apps. Yes, we are. They used to use the term eating your own dog food, but a friend of mine likes to say drinking your own champagne. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a better analogy. I love the idea of being able to create your own applications through Slack using a serverless platform. But I suppose we also need to talk a little bit about what the serverless platform is so we can understand how you can create your own apps. Could you give us a quick serverless architecture overview? Yeah, I can handle that one. Okay. So normally when I'm writing programs, you kind of have a choice of different ways of running them in the cloud. Um, one way is to run them on servers. And typically these days you use virtual machines. So you use an EC2 instance or droplets on DigitalOcean, something like that. And so these have an entire operating system installed on them. 
and they're literally just a virtual machine and you can write a server application written in Go or Node or something like that, which is sitting on the server and responds to requests. Um, this means that you have to install security patches and you have to make sure that the server's up by constantly testing it and, and doing, a, doing stuff. And when you do releases, typically you release the entire server, server process at once, right? So you build a new one and then you release it. Uh, since after that, I mean, it started out, you'd, you'd use your own hardware and then it went to virtual machines and then it went to containers, which is very, which is like almost a very lightweight operating system. They're much more lightweight than virtual machines and they containerize your application. And this is Kubernetes and Docker and things like that. And then after that, what people were, were said is, okay, maybe you should just write your code as functions. So you just write the source code and then you don't really care or know how it's deployed. It's just somebody uh, executes it. And this is a Lambda. It's basically, a, it's, you know, there's some input and then it produces some output and you can chain these things together. And so your application, instead of being a server, pro server process, just becomes source code functions and you deploy those and those execute when things happen. The way you're describing these serverless functions, it almost sounds like while we typically code our work in little functions, we can actually think of each of the little things that our code does as little mini APIs that accomplish a very specific objective. Is that right? That's a, that's a good way of explaining it, yes. Okay, thank you. So now that we have this base serverless architecture, what are the types of things that we can build on top of that? Can you give some concrete examples? Yeah, we have some examples on our website. One is like a trading application and um, we could have a, a buy, uh, uh, like a purchase application or something. But as an example, one of the things with like a trading screen is you may have different components on the screen, such as here's your portfolio and here's the a current stock price or something like that. And those would be separate functions. So there would be a call out that would be made to say, give me a historical graph of the current stock of this stock and then that would render in the browser. And then there'd be another function that said, give me my current portfolio of stocks and it would return the current portfolio. So instead of having a server, uh, a server application which responds to all these different things, what you have is you have kind of a, uh, just different functions to do different stuff. And what this also allows is scalability. So as, as more and more people, you know, scaling happens automatically. So, um, you, the, these functions, since they're independent, they can run on, on different machines. And this is where state comes into play, because if you have a function on the platform running on one machine uh, for portfolio stuff, and you need to do something uh, on a function associated with a portfolio on another machine, they need to have access to the state of the, of the uh, system. So, um, that's, that, that's how it works. You think of applications differently when you think of functions, because you break them into pieces and then you are coding the different pieces. And as a developer, one of the really nice things about that is when you're digging through code to find a bug or something, it limits the surface area that you have to look at. So normally if you're looking at a server application, you have this monolithic thing, you know, people also break things into microservices, of course, but a lot of times you have something very large that you're looking at. And here, if you have a problem with the graph, you'll only be looking at the function, which is the graph code. And bugs in that code won't, uh, 
propagate into the other functions. Do you know what I mean? So when you're working on one piece, it's actually isolated from the other pieces. So you have to kind of think differently about the architecture. And then there can be advantages too in that instead of waiting for if you have a page with multiple functions and one of them is slow, you can render the other ones and they aren't delayed by the first one because they're all running independently. So you've basically taken all of the functionality for your product, broken it into these little serverless functions, and then kind of like puzzle pieces, put together the things that you need to support a particular user interaction, for example. Yes, and that's what serverless programming is, is like. It's also great for small things which are reactive. So for example, if you have something which takes voice commands and you wanna execute something, you can write a function which does that execution. And then when it's done, it kind of goes away and it will scale automatically. So if you have one user today and a million users tomorrow, the system should scale up automatically. Thank you, Eric. And Anshu, I'd be curious to get your insight into the current state of the serverless market. I'm curious, for example, where we stand with adoption and what customer challenges you're solving for. So uh, serverless computing requires like a serverless architecture. A lot of the applications that are being coded today, they're all stateless. So as uh, Eric mentioned, you know, uh, reactive applications, you take any IoT application, you say you have a ring doorbell and the door, doorbell rings and there is an event generated and it invokes a certain serverless function and it executes. So that has been the main use of serverless framework today and these are all stateless applications. But as you can see, majority of the applications that are within an enterprise are stateful applications. And that's where the serverless uh, framework adoption is yet to happen. And that's where we come in. I mean, a lot of challenges with current serverless frameworks today are that as a developer, maintaining state is a developer responsibility. Serverless only gives compute. It doesn't give you memory and storage. The other part is as a developer, you have to assemble all the Lego pieces that we talked about, the debugging, tracing, monitoring, any of these things are all outside the framework today. And the last thing that is a problem today is that they are all proprietary frameworks. So if there is a problem, I mean, you are kind of stuck because they are proprietary frameworks. And not only that, you are tied to a particular cloud vendor because you are coding to a vendor specific API. And th those are the challenges that we are tackling because we are an open source based uh, full stack solution. So you not only can deploy on any cloud, but public cloud, but you can also deploy on private cloud. So the state of serverless is changing. Serverless is definition of serverless is changing where it used to mean only function as a service, but now it actually means entire serverless application. Thank you, Anshu. So this is really cool that companies are building full-blown applications using serverless architectures. And now, of course, you're building your own applications on your own serverless architecture. And one of those is Commander. Could you talk about how this idea came about and what people can use Commander for? Yeah, so I can give a little bit of background. So my background is actually, uh, I've got a pretty heavy networking background. So when we started the company, which was, when was it, Anshu? September 2018. September 2018. So what is that, a year and... A year and three months. A year and three months. Uh -huh. three months. Um, I got a lot of requests to do networking stuff and IT related stuff. So things like creating host names, A records, C names, MX records stuff, different, different types of DNS host names in the internet, managing, uh, creating and managing the SSL certificates, 
um, creating uh, VMs and rebooting them and doing different stuff. And instead of, I, I wanted to make this self-service because I was getting a lot of requests to do stuff, um, you know, which, which I could have people do themselves, but I didn't want to have to give them the passwords to log into these different services and explain them how to do it. And some of it was rather complicated. And so what I wanted to do is surface things so that people could just do these things on their own. And I looked at my options and we use Slack. So Slack has a, has a simple way to create slash commands. So you can create something like you can say slash, you know, add host goes and calls this URL. And what it does is it can do a post request to that URL with parameters. And what, and the, what the parameter is, is it's this parameter text and text is whatever you typed in the, in the message area in Slack. And so that's really what it gives you. Um, and so what I did is I created some commands. I, when you get that text, you have to parse through it yourself. And then I had some commands to do some IT and DevOps type stuff. Um, what I found was that the, and I, I actually, the uh, function code that I wrote ran on top of our serverless platform, which was really nice because then I didn't have to have a server I had to manage. But what I found was that I was missing a lot of stuff. So um, what Slack gives you is just this way of having a slash command go somewhere. But when you make your, your commands, you don't have any logging, you don't have any access control. Um, I just had my code, I had my API keys in the code and it was just, and, and I was running, the way I managed my code was, uh, there wasn't a way to list the different custom commands which I made and manage them and delete them, all this kind of stuff. So um, what I decided to do was I started sketching out uh, what, what it would look like to make this experience of developing uh, commands for Slack a lot easier. And then we iterated on it a lot to make it simpler and simpler. And this is where the, well, this is where Commander was made. So with Commander, what you can actually do is you can go and it's a one-click install into your uh, Slack workspace. And then you can just create uh, slash commands yourself with an NC command create. So you can do an NC command create, like for example, um, AWS build. And you, can, you could write the code to go out to the Amazon Cost Explorer API and then output your uh, Amazon Web Services build. Um, and then you can run that command. Uh, right, and what happens is in, in Slack, you do a command create, it gives you a link to a code editor, you can click that, you can write the code in, you hit save, and then you can actually run that command immediately. And what Commander does is it's a whole development platform which allows you to do things around the commands. So some of the things you can do is when you do a, uh, when you create a command, it has a set of parameters, and it can have optional parameters, and it can have options and things like this. And then the code which is generated, you can access those parameters just by name. So you don't have to do the parsing of the parameters yourself. Also, your API keys can be kept outside of your code. We have this concept of secrets. So an app can have a set of encrypted secrets which you can put your API keys in. So your API keys are not in your code. And this, is, this can all be done in Slack. The actual creation of encrypted secrets is done outside of Slack because you don't want your plain text secrets to be in your Slack history. When you create a command, you can also set up, create a task, which you can also do in Slack. So there's an NC task create command. And a task is something which runs a command at an interval or, or uh, 
or on schedule. So you can say once a day or every 10 minutes run this command and you give it an output channel in Slack to output to. You can also create triggers, which you can connect external webhooks to. So you can say when there is a GitHub check-in or something, it will run this command and it will output to this channel. There is access control. So you can say inside your workspace, when you initially create a command, the only person who can run the command are the app admins, which you are one if you installed, the, if you created or installed the app. But you can explicitly say these other users in the workspace can run the app, or you can say anyone can, or sorry, the command, or anyone can run the command, or you can create groups of users which can run this command. You also get logging built in. So one of the issues I had when I created my own without Commander was that if somebody was deleting a host or changed something, we had no logs of what happened. So here, Commander automatically does your logging for you, so you can. Uh, you can get logs of the different commands run or, the, or what uh, a user did. And then we have this way of creating commands outside of, um, outside of Slack itself, so that what you can do is we have this thing called OpenCSI, which if you're familiar with APIs, uh, there's an open API specification. And what this is, this is a YAML format file where you define your commands. So you say, you know, I have a print command and it takes one parameter that's message, and this is an optional parameter or something. It defines your set of commands, and then you can install those all in at once into uh, Slack. So then you can have a set of commands on GitHub, and you can have the source with them included with them on GitHub, and you can install them all with uh, typing one, one command. So we have, um, that's what Commander kind of gives you. It's a full kind of development environment to manage sl custom Slack commands in Slack. And then, with this command set stuff, we have uh, a bunch of pre-built commands. So ones we use really, really often, actually, very often, is our billing commands. So we have commands which show us our AWS bill, show us our Datadog bill and other bills. We have commands which uh, go out to DigitalOcean and show us the droplets we have, which we can reboot and stuff like that with different commands. And these all require us to put in our API keys, but our API keys are kept in secrets. Um, so they're encrypted and stored outside the source code. And the source code for these commands is actually on GitHub and people can install them uh, with one command. So just like there's NPM for managing packages, we have CSM for managing command sets. And you can do a CSM install of, for example, an AWS command set, uh, which will give you route 53 commands for DNS management and also give you AWS bill commands. So you can, automatically have these in Slack and you can also customize them because they come with the source code for the command. So that's what Commander is. It's basically, it's a, it's a development platform to make custom Slack apps. And so it has all that functionality built in and the idea was to make it very, very simple to use. When you develop your commands, you don't really know that there's a serverless platform running under this because you, you don't see it, right? But that's what's powering this whole thing. And actually, what you're really doing when you're developing commands is you're developing a serverless application. You just don't really realize it, right? As you were describing all of this, I just kept going back, thinking about some of the headaches I had to deal with in the past. For example, I remember specifically having this really important system that I managed back when I was working in an IT department. And I, I had to get the logs from the system to make sure if there are any critical errors that they were addressed right away. So I just built myself a little Excel spreadsheet with a macro built in. 
Of course, I couldn't hand it out to people because it had an embedded username and password. So after a while, everyone kept complaining, and then they said, well, Bill, can you find a way to share this with us? So finally, I created a website that allowed them to look the information up. And then they said, well, can we just be notified rather than go to the web page? <laughs> so in this new world, had I actually had this type of technology around at the time, I would have just gone into Slack, typed in some command, maybe something like slash error logs. Correct. And then I or anyone else could get that information. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you where this really becomes interesting is that what you don't realize when you write this stuff for Slack is the intangibles that you get. Um, and one of the tangibles is if I had opted to write a web user interface, the problem is that I have to go explain to somebody who's remote to use that. So we have a lot of people who work remotely and maybe in the office I could just walk over and say, here's the web interface that does it. But the wonderful thing is the way you explain to somebody how to use a command in Slack is you're chatting to them in Slack and you just type the command there. And really people have to make a decision when they want to do a lot of IT ops. Do I want to co contact the IT guy to do it or do I want to do it myself? And if it takes any extra work, they're probably going to contact the IT guy unless it's really simple. So what happens for me is I'm like, okay, they're like, I want to create this host name or I want to create, I want to create a C name to this. And I'm like, okay, here's the command and I'm typing it in the channel. Right. So then they see me do that. So if they need to create a second one on their own, they can just scroll back in their history and they can type that command themselves if they've been able to run that command. So this is one of the intangibles you get is it's the communicative nature of running commands in a shared channel. Right. I don't have to cut. Like if I'm trying to say, hey, we got to cut our bill down. Look at this bill. Right. Normally, I would have to go and take a screenshot of the bill and go and paste it into Slack or something right to say hey see this our bills too high for this but here I can just run the bill in the channel and then when they make changes they can see if the bill took effect so one of the things that this did for us actually as a company is we reduced our AWS bill by how much on you I don't know it was by like close to 800 yeah 800 bucks a month because we had some stuff which was running which just nobody was really looking at the bill so Anshu would get the bill at the end of the month and it'd be like, okay, what is this? But during the month, nobody wants to log in and check the bill, you know, every day. But if we, ha we have a command to do it, we have DevOps AWS bill and we run it regularly just to see, you know, what our bill is and it shows our different cloud services. This is one of the commands which, which we have uh, open source and which you can just install um, and run in Commander really easily. Um, we also had another one, which was our Datadog bill, and that one was... That one we reduced by $1,000. Yeah, $1,000 a first, month. In the second month, actually. Yeah, but, and this is, this is that one's charged, like both of them are charged per usage, and there's pluses and minuses to per usage charging. One of the minuses is that you can, it's very easy to run the bill up really high, right? Cause like you can turn monitoring from once a minute to once every 10 seconds and all of a sudden your bill is six times what it was before if you're being charged based on usage. So we had some of those incidents, but nobody really sees it until the end of the month, right? And by then it's too late. So we have, uh, we actually also have a command for Datadog, which uh, shows the bill, which is also one of the ones we have open source, which which can be installed. And so we use that also to get our bills down. And what you can do is everybody can just run it themselves and you can run it in a shared channel and you can say, this is what we have. There's none of this 
cut and paste and which is just too, which is just work that you wouldn't do you know what i mean so those are some of the intangibles in that once you've made it really easy you can work on that to optimize it and you can also optimize your time so it's been it's been really useful for us and the key the key for commander is just to try and make people's lives easier so this is a way to automate the tasks that you do normally and it's a way to get other people to be able to do them too so that they don't have to just talk to one person to do it. And the intangible thing is that it's really easy to show people because you can just do it in the channel so they can see you do it and they can see the result. It's not like you say, hey, there's a problem and let me show you this and then you paste in a result. They can see it immediately. So those are the, that's the interesting thing which we didn't know when we made it that was a really nice side effect of, of building those things. Okay, so that's really cool. And I'm guessing you could just call any kind of API that you have access to, right? Yeah, and I know that you've talked previously in your podcasts about APIs and the proliferation of them as well. And this really, that's the biggest use of Commander, I would say, is writing simple things which just go and connect out to a bunch of different APIs to do things. And there's APIs out there to send SMS messages, which are free. And so we have things which you know connect into Commander and they can email, send SMS messages, post in Slack channels, stuff like that, when different things happen and then do our own custom logic. Because the thing that you don't get from uh, the Slack apps from the Slack app marketplace is they do do things for you, but those things are fixed, right? And mm -hmm. so with Commander, all the different commands you create are have the source code associated with them, so you can just go and customize them any way you want for your own organization. Okay, I think I'm totally getting this now. So basically, let's just say Salesforce already has their own Slack app. I think they do. I might want to ask a question like, show me the leads in this region based on this category for these specific people. That may not be a Slack command that I can run, but I could roll my own using Commander. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly correct. I mean, we have one very simple command, which, which Roderick made, just, call, just called uh, DevOps Times. And what this does is it shows us the times in the different, because Roderick is on the East Coast and we're on the West Coast, and we have uh, somebody in Europe as well. We have some people in different areas. It just tells us the current time in those different locations, but it's customized for our organization, right? So it's a very small piece of code, but it just adds to your productivity because you don't have to go to a web page to figure out what time it is somewhere else. You know what I mean? You just type that and it gives you all the times for our different offices. It's a very small piece of code, but it's used. I, I use it probably once a day. Yeah, that's great. Just any kind of app that helps improve productivity. I'm all for that. So Anshu, who's the customer for this product? So, you know, any any Slack, any company that's using or any team that is using Slack is a customer of this product. So we, we have several startups uh, using it right now. And as we haven't made a formal announcement, we after we release it, it just got uh, approved by the Slack app directory. Uh, we will be getting more um, enterprise-like customers who are using Slack in their day-to-day -day, um, operations. But the real customers are all are the Slack users who actually want this functionality, but they really don't have access to it. So, for instance, uh, Eric talked about billing. Okay, I want to see all the bills, but 
the, uh, nobody wants to give me the access keys for that. So what, what they have done is created all these bills and made me a command runner. I'm not, an, I'm not a coder, I'm not a admin for those commands, but I can run this command easily and I know all the bills and I know what to expect by the end of the month, okay? And if there is any anomaly, I can go and uh, ask or just pester these people on what's going on. So that's one example. You had a classic Salesforce example, which is a great example because when we were actually talking about it, um, this particular customer said, you know, it would be so great that my CEO would call me uh, every day and he could just do this command because he wants to know what's the quota attainment of the East Coast uh, sales team and what's the quota attainment of the West Coast sales team. And I have to give that information every day. So these are the classic business users, I would say, for, um, for Commander. And then there are these DevOps users which, who wants to see their GitHub issues or the GitLab issues or Jira, whatever the issues are coming up and they want to see it in, a, in Slack pane. Uh, one of the things that we realized very soon is uh, a developer lives in two worlds. One is their IDE and the other one is Slack. And it could be uh, other messaging platforms and we have focused on Slack first. And um, because they live in these two worlds, we had, to, uh, we had to give all the capabilities in one of the worlds. And Slack was the perfect interface to give them all this information and all the power to develop these uh, commands. It sounds like you're realizing a lot of value out of this product. I'm curious, how much code are you writing here? Is this a lot of code or just small bits of code? I'd say most commander functions are probably are small bits of code. There really isn't large applications because what they're usually doing is they're calling different APIs to do things. Mm -hmm. And then the APIs are doing the heavy lifting. There's the There's APIs to do everything these days is the thing, right? Image transformation and AI and machine learning and all sorts of stuff. And so most of the commands we do, I'd say, are, um, are pretty lightweight in that they call APIs. There are some which, you know, install packages to do bigger stuff. But mostly what you want to do in Slack is pretty small stuff, right? It's not, it's not stuff which is going to be long running because uh, that you don't, you don't want to run a, run, have something run a command in Slack, which is going to take you know, 10 seconds, because normally you're looking for pretty immediate feedback, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd say most of them are going to be pretty small. This isn't for developing large applications. That's what the platform is. Right, that makes sense. So could you give us some insight as to where this serverless market space is going? I think we're just going to see uh, the the adoption rate of there are some things which have adopted serverless quite a bit and there are other things which just haven't. I think some of the things which are kind of interesting is serverless is also a way of running containers so the merging of containers kind of and serverless internal to a serverless uh, to the uh, serverless uh, function. The function's actually running in a container. It's running in a custom container. So, uh, and you can actually, with our platform, you can run containers as functions. So this is uh, another thing which I think is, I think that'll, uh, I, but I think in general, I think the proliferation of serverless will be driven in the future by the uh, proliferation of APIs that do everything. There are so many companies these days which are just API companies, right? So like um, we've connected, uh, we have a, an API which connects to all these different uh, 
uh, banking systems, for example, to check people's credit, or we have an API to connect to shipping, for example, um, stuff like that. So I think, um, I think the proliferation of APIs goes along with serverless because especially for small, short-lived uh, functions, that's where calling a bunch of APIs to do some kind of you know, composition of a bunch of different things, I think that'll drive adoption. So I think that's probably where it's going to. Now, we all met at the Postman conference, and Postman is a tool for developing APIs. I'm curious, how does the Postman API development platform fit into a serverless development process? Yeah, what we're actually doing is we're, we, we have an integration, like we have a, um, we have a specific solution for Slack and actually Mattermost and, um, and Teams, although we haven't released the team, Teams one yet. Um, but we also have a project where we're, we're working on Postman. So what Postman is typically used for is for developing APIs and mocking them up and also testing APIs. And so uh, I've used it myself. If you want to write an application quickly, what you can do is you can go in and create a Postman collection of APIs and stuff. And then the person who's working on a front end can use that immediately with mocked up data in Postman. And then the person who's writing the back end code can go and implement that code. But then the, the reference that both of you are using are, is the API. Um, and so what we can do with our integration is you can go into Postman and instead of writing mocked up data, you can actually just code the actual responses, you know, as uh, serverless functions. And so your API can actually be live from our integration with Postman can be in live app. So you can actually develop your app in Postman, which is similar to how we do things with Commander, where you can develop an app in Slack, which is a serverless app. Here you'd be developing an app in Postman. So you're doing your uh, API definition, but also the code, which is the implementation. Well, this is really cool. And I feel like what you're doing here is you're moving the needle. And we're getting to a point where maybe at some point, people don't even need to know that there is an API in the background. It's just, hey, I have this data that I need. And I'm just going to hook things together, grab it. And now I have the information that I need the critical information I need to do my job. Yeah, I think that's what, when you were asking what it's driving toward, I think it's also driving toward that, right? Where just more people will be able to do this stuff on their own. It doesn't require a person who's a specialized coder or something to do it. That's very cool. And I am really appreciative that you're trying to move the needle in that direction. And thank you both for such insightful thoughts on the marketplace, where we are with serverless computing and on your new product launch, Nimbella Commander. So again, thank you very much and have a great day. Thank you very much, Bill. Thanks, Bill. I would like to thank the great team at Postman for introducing me to Anchu and Eric. Thank you very much for listening to this TechGenix T-Suite podcast. Please go to Apple iTunes and subscribe and rate us. It really does help. To stay up to date on the latest technology news, go to techgenix.com. That's T-E-C-H. G-E-N-I-X. You can also follow them on Twitter using the same name. You can follow me on Twitter using at Bill Raymond and the letter E.